All right, kids, y'all, y'all come on down to the front. He's got you. That's what you're talking about. He's got it. Come on down. Meridian? Who else is missing? Any more kids? Come on, Kellen. You guys look so good. So cute. Who knows they're cute? None of y'all? None of y'all think y'all are cute? We need to take a picture from Look at it. Huh? So how many know that Jesus has a few titles? For who knows, who knows what I'm talking about titles, names? Not just Jesus or Jesus Christ. He has other names that describe who he is. Like the people that were all the people on the side of the road that were cutting down all the trees and cleaning up all the limbs that fell over the storm those, they have a title called workers in our house. We're spotting the workers left and right. So Jesus has titles. Too like that worker. We sang some of the titles like um, wonderful. He's the counselor. He's the mighty God. Do you have any titles that come to mind in Jesus? Any names? King? Savior? All right, I got another good question that's going to get to you in a minute. So, when Jesus walked on the earth, they called him, they did call him a lot of things, but one particular name, one particular title they said more than any other at least in the Gospels that we see. Does anybody know what that one might be? Teacher, that is it. Way to go. I did not know that personally. I had to look that up. Teacher, and one of the ways that Jesus taught was with questions. Did you know that, Callum? Yeah, he taught with questions. I also looked this up. There are 305 questions that Jesus asked that are recorded in the, in the four Gospels. That's a lot of questions. Matter of fact, he asked twice as many questions as were asked to him. Usually he would answer a question with a question. There's a, a really good quote by Voltaire. You don't even know who Voltaire is, but... <laughs> He says, our intelligence should not be measured by so much our ability to give the right answer, but our, our ability to give, bring good questions. And I've found that when, I'm, when God is speaking to me, he talks to me in questions. And I don't realize it. I think it's my question, but really it's God's question. Hang on one second. And so I want to ask you guys, if you could ask God any question, what question would you ask him? I'm willing to put the microphone close to your mouth so you can say for everybody to hear if you got one. What kind of question would you like to ask God? You have no questions? You love God? Good. You love God too? Oh, yeah. Any questions coming to mind? Come on, let's be brave. I asked him how he made the world. 
the world? Good question. I can't tell you the answer to that, but I know who can. Anybody else who's got other questions? Other questions that they might ask God? Slipped your mind? Yeah, it happens. I'm getting stage fright too. Hey, so any more questions? One last call. All right. Well, let me just let me just say when you're reading the scriptures, especially, and say like I don't know how y'all do it. Occasionally, we read from the Jesus Storybook. We read obviously we do that upstairs every Sunday. Um, and questions come to your mind as you're reading the scriptures. That's a good time to ask those to God and to expect he's going to tell you the answer because, and he's probably going to give you more questions as you're like, well, what does this mean, Lord? And the next thing you know, you got another question. Well, you know what? Really, I need to know what that means before I can ask what that means. All right. I'm going to pray for you guys and go upstairs. Yeah, I bet he's silly to you all the time. God, I just thank you for each one of these beautiful, beautiful babies. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are their teacher and you want them to ask really good questions. Would you drop those questions in their spirit that draw upon more questions and more questions than they would just find themselves completely lost in the mystery in, a, in the most wonderful way in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. If I could sit, I don't know if I can see everybody. If I could sit, I would prefer that. Maybe because I'm lazy. I feel a little bit more comfortable sitting, a little more awkward standing. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna pray and then um, get into it. Holy Spirit, I thank you so much for your presence with us. Thank you that you know us, that you are with us, that you want to speak to us always. And we just invite you, Holy Spirit, go free. Have your way. Change the way we think in Jesus' name. Um, I wanted to start to say, man, um, it, a worship was amazing this morning. I was getting rocked. And uh, I'm just so thankful to be um, able to come here on Sundays. Honestly, I was thinking back, like, there, there's... There, there honestly hasn't been a Sunday when I've been here and haven't sensed the presence of the Lord. Um, it's, just, it's just a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Um, you know, the verse that comes to mind, where two or more are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of us. And I would love to think that I can get everything I need from God, like, and fully mature on my own because I'm kind of comfortable on my own. 
<laughs> but that's just not how God made it. It's actually like we are a body and it's something crazy like how in his, in his you know, he loves his infinite to try my <laughs> Um, yeah, there's, there's just something about the way that God like wants to reveal himself to us through other people. And he, we all have a direct connection. There is no, you know, Jesus is the mediator, but he is the God man. He is the God man. And so we have this direct connection and yet he wants to reveal himself through his body and through each other in, um, in this beautiful way that humbles us. And it's not a bad thing because we also get to participate and be like the revelation of God to somebody. And it is the Holy Spirit working through us. Um, you know, I've studied this before about like church growth as far as in the, in the epistles. And, uh, you know, often Paul is saying it's through speaking the truth to one another in love. It's through, we grow through ministering to one another. It's a crazy thing. No. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just really thankful to be here um, to, to worship and to experience the Lord. Some, um, some Sundays when I've been worshiping, I thought I was coming out of my skin, just blasted. And um, one thing, you know, this, this morning as we were worshiping, uh, there's the song that he talks about turning our bitter waters to sweet. And that just rocks me because, and I'll get into a little bit of my journey, but there was a, a long season of 10 years of bitterness in my soul. And the Lord has turned that into sweet. And it um, points to one of my favorite uh, pictures of Jesus in the scriptures. There's a time when the Israelites are traveling through the wilderness and, you know, they're, they're depending on him for food and water and they didn't have water and they came to this spring and the waters were bitter. And, um, and so Moses inquired of the Lord and the Lord said, you know, you take this tree, you throw it in the water and it becomes sweet. And that tree is a picture of the cross. You know, Jesus could just wave the magic wand. I'm, I'm, I guess he could, you know, wave the magic wand and just like, bing, all of a sudden your bitterness turns sweet. But the way he chose to do it was he, he chose to drink the cup of our bitterness to the full. Every bit of bitterness in the whole world, he drank so we could drink the sweetness of his spirit. And I just love that picture and how he changes our bitter waters sweet. And ultimately, the Holy Spirit is always trying to point us back to what Jesus, who Jesus is. Because he is, salvation is a person that's not just a work, but it's who he is and what he did. Um, some of you guys a few of you probably know my story but honestly a lot of you probably don't know my story so I'll go into it a little bit and then I'll get into some text and I really like text because I go back to it over and over again simply I don't journal a lot because usually like scriptures get triggered and then I go back to the scripture and I kind of like a journal here um, but my, my journey uh I've been, you know, you could say walking with the Lord for 
over 20 years. Um, you know, whatever that means. There was a time when I, I prayed a prayer. <laughs> Something happened, you know. I don't know how it all works. I'm asking, how does it all work? You know, I'm still on the journey. Um, but the first 10 years I spent in, in a lot of bitterness and a lot of traumas, just working through trauma, pain, fear, um, and trying to uh, connect with God and just never seeming like I could get through. It was like, I don't know why it seems to work for other people, but it's just hopeless for me. <laughs> there was, you know, there was definitely a, a, a initially there was like some encounters with this, this tangible love, um, a sense of forgiveness, but quickly it just turned into like, I am a screw up and I cannot seem to get it together. I was very aware of my weaknesses. Um, and, you know, there was a, there was a four year period where it was so black, like I didn't really talk to the Lord. Um, I didn't really feel like I heard him. I would occasionally pop into a church. I occasionally pick up the book, but I really wanted him. I really did. Like it was definitely the deepest cry. But it was so painful to even think about that cry because I'm like, it's never going to happen. And um, through that four-year dark period, I'm amazed I'm still alive. I did not want to live for a long time. A good chunk of that, and many times, was very, very close. And then I don't say it was like, the Lord clearly intervened. It's just somehow, I just got through that like deep darkness that I didn't think I was getting through. And he, he carried me through. And... Um, one, one dream that I, I did have, one thing that did kind of speak to me um, during my 10 years of darkness and uh, wandering, um, I had this dream, you know, one, the first time I was in the middle, it was a recurring dream, first time in the middle of the darkness. And uh, in the dream, I won't go into the, all the details, but I was playing the guitar and I, I played the guitar, I worship and uh, didn't through this 10 years, but I had when I first encountered the Lord and um, in this dream, I'm singing a song, and I feel like this excitement, like I am about to encounter God. I am about to like experience this breakthrough. This thing is gonna is gonna break wide open, and I'm, I'm feeling this excitement, this chase, this pursuit, and uh, and I start singing this song in the dream, and I'm, I start singing, "Open to me, open to me." open to me. And I just sing it and I'm feeling like, yes, this is almost it. This is going to be it. And um, then the dream ends, I would wake up in the you know, middle of the night, very aware of the dream. It was very, very vivid. And I would feel like this chase, like this pursuit still tangible on my soul. And then it would slowly start to fade. And then, you know, and I'd have hope for like two weeks. <laughs> it was really sad. I'd pray for a solid hour that next day. All right, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to pray. And I would pray. I even wrote a song, you know, and sang this song open to me. And it's like after two weeks, I'm like, yeah, this is never going to work. <laughs> and so, um, you know, that same dream, it, there's little variations and I don't want to go into all the nuances of what I've learned about that. But I had this dream again and, um, you know, a few years later, and again, it was like, this time I was like, all right, I had this dream twice. I mean, I looked up every time in the Bible, people had dreams twice. I'm like, oh, this door is going to open. This open to me is going to happen. It's going to break wide open. And so, um, again, I, you know, I was maybe good for a month after that. 
Like, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I am going to find the breakthrough. And I, you know, in those 10 years, I have had everybody pray for me. I went to all the conferences. I, you know, I tried what I could. Went to the inner healings and all that thing, all that stuff. And, um, so anyways, fast forward to 10, 10 years walking with the Lord. And I have this, this third, third time I had the dream. But it was a little different this time. In this dream, and it was very, very similar, like the room and everything, the feel in this dream, I, um, I have this peace, and I look up in the sky, and I see Daddy smile. <laughs> and in this dream, I like start just crying, and I'm like, Dad, I'm so sorry. Like, how could I have ever doubted your love? How can I? I'm so sorry. I was just, it was beautiful repentance. I'm so sorry. I will never question your love again. I mean, I just really felt that in the dream. And um, some few other things happened in the dream. I got caught up and uh, into, into him. And it was overwhelming sense of peace, of his love, of no fear. And I'm sitting there um, and I start to hear this faint song in my soul, deep in my soul. And it was like, what is that? And I could feel like this bliss coming from this song. And it was over and over again. And I was like, and I started to hear it and it got louder. And every time the voice got louder, like the intensity of his, his bliss and his joy got louder. And he sang and, the, and what he was singing was open to me, open to me, open to me and let me love somebody. And he sang it over and over again. And I woke up even hearing that song still in my soul. And in that moment, I was completely undone because I realized <laughs> I'm sure I've been trying to get God to open to me. He's been trying to get me to open to him. You know, when we're in the midst of darkness, it's really hard to know what's going on. <laughs> it's hard to see. <laughs> but when lights flip on, you're like, oh, <laughs> whoops. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do for us. He wants to flip the lights on. And that began a journey. I didn't feel a ton different after that, but it began a journey of me all of a sudden answering, asking all different questions. Instead of God open to me, it was God. <laughs> How? <laughs> I'm so hurt. How do I open to you? <laughs> what is this thing called open to you? You seem a million miles away. And you're saying you're on the inside. What? Um, yeah, close your eyes, boo. Practice in the darkness, walking in the dark. Um, and so I started reading scripture, which I didn't really do before. And I started just on this journey of asking questions. So I've come to, you know, if it was all boiled down to like, hey, well, you know, somebody came to me, I'm a really, really broken person. What do I do? I say I would start with 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 uh, scriptures and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's dangerous to read the Bible without the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, you know, honestly, we probably have, we probably hear often when we start our journey. We probably hear way more lies when we listen to scripture than we hear truth. That's because hell has reinforced a bunch of lies through culture, and so picking up the Bible and just reading it doesn't mean you're going to get truth. It could reinforce lies, which is really dangerous. And it's really, you know, a problem, right, um, in the world. Uh, 
And so we need the Holy Ghost. I don't want to read, you know, I've said it before. I was like, don't read your Bible without the Holy Spirit. That's, that's dangerous. <laughs> and I would just, you know, simple prayer, Holy Spirit, would you just speak to me? And when I'd come and I'd start to listen, you know, and I'd, I'd read the scriptures and I'd hear a voice where I was like, fear, and I'm scared. I'm like, well, that just isn't, maybe that isn't you. I'm hearing like so many lies here. I can't even hear this verse. I can't even hear this book. Holy Spirit, I don't know how you're going to change the way I see this thing and the way I think about it. And I went on a journey. I binged on asking God questions for two years. What about this? What about that? You said, and I, there was one particular verse that really like triggered something in me. It was like my eyes saw something I hadn't seen before. It was Galatians 5.1. It says, stand firm in the freedom wherewith Christ has made you free. And here I am, I'm like, I've been praying for 10 years, God set me free. And yet you're saying stand firm in the freedom I already have? What the heck? I'm like, there's no freedom here, God. <laughs> but you say this. And it changed the way I began to, I was like, all right. You're saying I'm free, what is the deal? <laughs> What is the problem here? Where's the hang up? Um, and I took that, I mean, I began to study freedom, began to look into it more, you know, began to get mystified by um, Paul's writings, you know. He's, you're a saint. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm like, I'm the farthest thing through from that. I'm self-medicating really hard here. <laughs> with really unhealthy ways. I don't pray for anybody's soul, except for my own. <laughs> and I'm often, you know, frustrated and angry and just afraid, and I can't forgive you, God, and I wish I could, but I can't. Um, and so I began to just continue to ask questions, and I found this verse, you know, um, you will know that you will... You, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's John, John 8, uh, 30s. It says, if you continue in my word, you're truly my disciples and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. For whom the Son is set free is free indeed. And there it was again. And it began this journey of like, I just need to know the truth. <laughs> like it began to at least, you know, it's, look, the thing about being in darkness and the thing about pain is like, it would be so much easier if we knew what the problem was. But most of the time, we don't know what the problem is. So if we don't even know the right thing to pray because we don't know what the pain is, like why the pain is there, and that's really hurts the worst. It's like, if you kind of know what the problem is, you're like, you can cope with it better. And I just couldn't see that the problem, but this, you know, when I saw this verse, it began to like, for me, it was like, I see what the problem is here. I believe a lot of lies. <laughs> And I can't seem to make it stop, but I, I see what the problem is. If I could just figure out how to stop believing the lies <laughs> and believe the truth, things would really change you. Um, and so uh, it, was a big, it was a big relief for me. And I don't know how it just slowly, over the course of a couple of years, it just began like just lies one after another. It just began to fall off. I just began to see grace in a whole new light. I began to read verses, you know, like I'll read a verse where you know, Jesus says, um, you know, if you seek to, to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you seek to lose your life, you'll find it. And I'm like, I, I can't <laughs> to 
dude, I can't do that. And all of a sudden, I feel afraid about it. I feel like frustrated about it. I didn't want to read that verse. And all of a sudden, as I'm, I'm realizing it's Greg, it's him, all of a sudden, it's like I could read that verse and go, wait, Jesus, you're not saying, hey, buddy, get, pick it up. Pick, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Get a grip. If you want to find me, you got to lose your life. You're saying like, hey, I'm right here with you. I'm going to help you lose your life. <laughs> you can't do any of this on your own. I found this encouraging voice. It was the Lord. I was like, oh my gosh, I found the whisper of God. Like, these verses that scared me, I was hearing this voice saying, I've got to do it in my own strength. And now I hear them and I'm, it's like I hear the, your comfort. <laughs> you can never do that in your own strength. I never wanted you to try in your own strength. boil it down to, you know, what's, what's tricky is that I believe there are two sources in the universe that we gravitate to. Everybody gravitates to. It doesn't matter who you are. Everybody gravitates. It's the knowledge of good and evil, and it's the tree of life. And the dang thing about the knowledge of good and evil is it's not pure evil. There's some good there. And that's why it's deceptive for me. Because you can make it for a little bit in your own strength and doing things your own way and with your own knowledge of good and evil. But you can't make it for long. <laughs> but we can get deceived into trying and the enemy loves. His goal is not to get us to do evil. Hey, first, his initial, his initial goal <laughs> is to get us to take, to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Once you do that and you know your source is, is yourself, he can easily dominate you. Sin easily dominates us. Paul says in Romans 7, where, there is no, where, where you're not under the law, there is no sin. Sin can't operate apart from being under the law. It's a crazy thing. Like it finds its life. It finds itself. We fail in our own strength, you know, and it works, and we fall, and we fall, and we fall, and then we feel the pain from it, and then we self-medicate for all the wrong reasons and sin loves to help us find ways <laughs> and to see this in self-medicating and then it really gets into the evil part but once I saw that and began to, to see the whole scripture through those lenses it just took on a whole new like wow Jesus you're so good you're so wonderful you're so great you can help us yeah um okay I want to go to some text here and just um, see the clock. Run through a few things. Um, Romans 10. I read out of the King James. I don't really hear the King James. I'm just like, brain. Translates into regular English, which is good because everybody should have their own translation of the Bible. The Holy Spirit told me that. Because you need the translation because everybody thinks differently. Everybody has a different past, a different experience, and the Holy Spirit is the translator. And he wants to speak it to you personally. Now, I love all the different translations. I read all of them. 
even the, the crazy message, which, you know, half the time I'm like, what the heck? But <laughs> sometimes I'm like, wow, that's really good. <laughs> and I like to read in, in Greek and I like to read in Hebrew, but, you know, what Smith Wigglesworth says, some like to read their Bible in Greek, some like to read in Hebrew, I like to read it in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> um, Romans 10, I want to read these first uh, four verses. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel as that they may be saved. Good prayer. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. I think if we're really honest, and it's good to be honest, and we can't without the Holy Spirit. I say we all have a zeal for God. I, I think even, you know, people, even atheists, have some measure of a zeal for God. They want to hear God. I've met almost every atheist I've ever talked to and we get long, deep enough, long enough, they were seeking God and it just didn't come through like they wanted and they just closed the door. I think we're all innately baked and built with that. But what we lack, <laughs> what we lack is the knowledge. Mm. Holy Spirit, would you give us the knowledge? You know, I, I, I had this encounter one time. I was at this massive church. Um, they were worshiping, and I was feeling this passion, just like, yeah, I want to get you, God, today. And I was feeling this passion. I thought, man, he just really loves this passion. He must just really, it's like he must only like it when I, I used to think he only was really excited about me when I felt this passion. <laughs> I was so wrong. And I was feeling this passion, and then I heard him say, I want, well, look, the first thing he said was, how many fruits of the Spirit are there? I'm not joking. This just came out of my car. I'm like, nine? He's like, nope. I opened my Bible. I was like, what the heck? I looked and said, the singular fruit of the Spirit. There's only one fruit of the Spirit. It just happened as nine flavors that are described in that particular passage. There's actually a lot of flavors Maybe outside that. I was like, oh, wow. And I heard him say, I want my peace. But I really want you to just chill out. Oh, my gosh. I remember like, okay. And I was like, man, I'm kind of thirsty. I was dancing at the time. I was like, all right, I'm going to stop and go and walk. Got some water, came back, but I was still worshiping. And I'm just like, I, I don't know how to bring you peace. I just don't know how to do that. Anyways, the, what was crazy at this church, the last song ended and there was a peace over the whole service. Like for 10 minutes, nobody said anything. The guy got up to speak and he goes, I was going to speak on hungry for God and passion for God. I can't. I've never been under the weighty presence of a piece like this before it's seen a thousand people just in absolute silence. I think we need to go home. Like it was, I was like, 
I've come to learn that, you know, I want, I want the Holy Spirit wants to be everything for us. Like, he wants to be our faith. He wants to be our zeal. I want to give up my zeal for his zeal. You know, he says, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. It's the zeal of the Lord. And I want to surrender to him. I want to let go to him. If, if he wants to, you know, buzz through me in zeal and my emotions all just get inflamed with passion, that's good. If he wants to buzz through me with peace, if I don't want to need to feel anything, it doesn't matter anymore. I want him. Like my things, I can get so caught up in what I'm feeling and thinking that I get off the knowledge of God. I get out of the knowledge of just surrendering to him. Verse verse 3, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. That's a crazy thing. It's still going on. They're passionately seeking their own righteousness and missing the gift. It's crazy. I think if we're honest, we're all ignorant of God's righteousness in some measure. There is a deepening he wants of us to know his righteousness in us. There is a deepening of surrender. I am on a journey. I don't know. I've been saying it to myself like this. Until my shadow is healing people like Peter's, there is a lot more of unpacking of what God has put in me to happen. There's a lot more of surrender he wants to bring me to. There's a lot more of repentance that needs to happen in my soul because he, the fullness of God dwells in us. It all came in the, at, at, in the new covenant. It all came in him. There's no more getting more of God in us. There's just more of that flow coming out of us. I love um, feeling held by God. I mean, that's what I felt. It was like, man, you're just holding me. I feel held. But the reality is we are as held as we will ever be all the time. His grip doesn't loosen up sometimes. Like I wish we could see, I wish I could see it when junk hits the fan and you start really feeling stuff and you get pulled out of the truth and pulled out of your spirit and the reality of your union and you start feeling the stuff. You're getting influenced by hell and the lies. I've been there, done that. I, you know, my first 10 years, shame, guilt, and condemnation was a daily. And by his grace, I can say I've been, I don't know, over a decade. I just, I just don't feel that. I just don't experience that. He's bringing us all there. He's taking us all there where guilt, shame, condemnation is like a distant memory. We have, we cannot even remember what it feels like. We're carrying fear longer than a few minutes is just bizarre. We're all the tips and tricks are built into us of just surrender. I want to. I want to. Um, I want to suggest that God's righteousness encompasses everything that we need. It encompasses His joy. 
It encompasses his peace. It encompasses his surrender. It encompasses his humility. It encompasses his faith. Whatever you need, whatever that thing is, you know, like we've all seen these tracks where it's like, I'm over here. There's a big chasm. God's over here. How am I going to get to God? And then the answer is like, boom, on the next page of the track, there's this cross. And Jesus is the connection between you and God and the chasm. And yeah, I believe like all of us have like this little gap between like us and the cross still. Like there's still something else that I need to do to be able to experience that, that we have to jump Often it's faith. <laughs> well, I'm not experiencing, you're not experiencing because you don't have enough faith. Oh man, I gotta get faith. If I can just have faith and I can jump to the cross, once I'm to the cross, I can skip over to, the, to God. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Maybe it's humility. Oh man, if I could, you know, if I'm gonna encounter God, I just need to, I just need to grow in humility. I just need to get that humility going first and then the flow of God will happen. I'm, I'm here to suggest that God's righteousness accompanies everything that we need. He is our all in all. He's not asking us to be humble on our own strength. He's not asking us to believe in our own strength. He's not asking us to have joy in our own strength. He's not asking us to have wisdom in our own strength. Whatever it is, I don't know what it, what it might be. He's not asking us to evangelize in our own strength. Wherever you feel like maybe you're weak or you just can't seem to do it, his answer is not in your own strength. Verse, verse four, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for everyone who believes. He's bringing us all to the full experience, the end of self-effort. When I hear the law, I just hear self-effort. You know, I, I'm not Jewish. I, didn't, I don't, you know, never tried to be Jewish. Um, but everybody has the knowledge of good and evil. They're trying, you know. The atheist has the knowledge of good and evil. They got, they got the system that things they need to do in order to unlock the, the life that they want. I'm going to um, just kind of blaze through some scripture here, I think, but I love context. Like, I love context. And, like, if something just doesn't seem to fit with, like, the picture of Jesus hanging on the tree and him raising, <laughs> you know, if it doesn't look like, you know, my, my favorite, one of my favorite pictures of Jesus and who we are and who God is, is... Uh, Jesus is the true vine and we are the branches. I am in, like, I can say, like, I, I can't say apart from Jesus, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, but I'm in the tree of righteousness. I can say, I am the righteousness of God. I am because I'm in that tree. I belong in this tree. God put me in this tree. I am the resurrection and the life. Not apart from Jesus, that's crazy. But I'm a branch in that tree and I have to say, I am the resurrection and the life. This union has happened. We are as one as we will ever be. 
And then it says, the father is the gardener. <laughs> oh, that's another relief. So I'm not trying to figure out how to, how to grow, how to prune myself, how to fix things, how to lead this thing. Daddy, God is going to make sure this tree grows. We belong to him. He's bringing us to the end of self-effort and the full experience of him. Because we belong to him. He paid a price. It's not your mind anymore. It's his. It's not your emotions anymore. There is. And not just your body anymore. There is. He takes very serious his job. He's a jealous king. He loves us so much. All right, I'm going to book blaze through this scripture for real. I want to get to something. All right, verse five. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law, that the man who does those things will live by them. I don't want to live by the knowledge of good and evil. It's, you know, the, the, the old covenant under the law, it's about our efforts. Under the new covenant, it's all about his efforts. <laughs> I remember one time I was disappointed because I made a mistake and I, I just felt pretty hard. And the Holy Spirit's like, why are you down? I'm like, is that screwed up? He's like, I thought your boast was in the Lord. <laughs> and his performance. I'm like, oh. He's got me not a few times. I'm like, oh man, I really messed up today. He's like, yeah. But I didn't. The righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Some of you might have gone negative when you heard the word of faith. There's a movement that, you know, maybe sometimes can teach formulas and people try to copy the formulas. But I want to argue that Jesus, or Paul here, he preached the word of faith. The Holy Ghost preaches the word of faith. This word of faith is Christ himself. He believes. One of my favorite things is when, when God says to me, is like when he says, hey, I believe in you. <laughs> like, hey, my faith is not rocked by what just happened and what's going on in the world. I believe. Draw on that faith. Let that faith that is eternal rise up inside of you. That word came to us. We didn't bring Christ down and we didn't raise him from the dead. It's there in you whether you realize it or not. And it wants like a lion to get out of us. Holy Ghost, would you help us 
to surrender. <laughs> there, you know, I used to, I used to try to surrender, and I just gave up. I'm like, all right, I quit surrendering. I surrender my surrender, and it was like the Holy Ghost was just applauding, like, yes, thank you. Like, I need grace to surrender. I can't stop trying in my own self, efforts and my own strength. I think there's two reasons why we try in our own strength. One is because we're afraid, we're scared. Something is like a problem in our lives, and if it doesn't change, we're scared that it's gonna really hurt, and so we need to fix it, and we have to feel we don't want to. We feel completely inadequate to, but we try because we feel like we have to. Somebody's got to step up to the plate and fix this thing. And it seems like it's on our plates. We, we try to earn self-help because we, we're, we're scared. Um, and then we try because we think we can and we actually enjoy. That's called pride. We can't. We think we can in our own strength. That's the one that usually trips me up these days. That one's a little sneakier. I kind of know when I'm afraid and trying to move strength. I'm like, oops, I feel anxious. I might be trying in my own strength. I am so sorry, Lord. I put this back on your plate. But it's really, it's really subtle when it's like everybody's praising you because, man, you're just so good. You're just so, wow, you just do this so well. This just comes so natural to you. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> I feel really good here. I feel really confident here. I feel really assured. This is, and it's harder to surrender those things. I found. But the Holy Ghost wants them all. He wants your fears. He wants your pride. This word of faith is in us. Here's what it says, that if you confess with your mouth, verse 9, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you want to experience salvation? I'm not saying, let me suggest that this word saved here isn't just saved from hell when you die. There's a little bit more to salvation than that. First of all, it's a person. And it's an experience of that person flowing through us now and forever. And it comes from confession. I mean, there's no way around it. Like confession just is a reality. I'm not suggesting, well, oh, the secret's confession. Let's just go out and confess in our own strength. That doesn't work. But there's a Holy Ghost confession. There is a God confession that comes when in the midst of just feeling everything. And there's a, a little voice that whispers, you're going to be all right. And you kind of believe it for a second. And a God confession comes up and says, I'm going to be all right. And you begin to experience salvation. That's what happens. That's what I believe he's saying here. This isn't like the DMV where did you get your paperwork, right? To get into heaven when you die. I don't, I'm not saying I'm going to do this, but, you know, it, it doesn't work like this. But, you know, I'm going to appear before Jesus and Jesus is going to say, why should I let you in? And I'm like, because of my good works. And he's going to laugh and be like, get in here, you goober. <laughs> And this, you know, confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus has raised, you know, it's like, okay, I gotta believe the Lord raised Jesus, he came, Lord Jesus, he raised, God raised you from the dead, okay, I get that confession, right, oh, I gotta believe in my heart, oh man, what does that feel like, oh, that can take you down a rabbit hole, <laughs> what does it feel like to believe, everybody's got their own definition of what that feels like, <laughs> maybe it's a choice, I believe faith is a choice, I could be wrong. 
but it might have no feeling go with it at all. I've seen big mountains move with a choice. I feel awful, but I hear a voice and whisper, says, this thing's gotta go. And I'm like, you know what? I choose to believe that little whisper over everything I feel. This thing has to move. And a couple days later, that thing has moved. <laughs> I don't know how. I didn't feel. It just moved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. I don't know how it works. It's a choice. You just say, yep, yep, yep. And the next thing you know, righteousness starts flowing out of your heart. And when the mouth confession is made to salvation, the next thing you know, you can't help but say, I'm pretty good looking. God said, I'm good looking. I am good looking. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jews and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon his name. No one gets little Jesus, they get the full Jesus. He is rich to all who call upon his name. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord, his present tense calls on the name of the Lord, will, he said, will experience salvation now and forever. But how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Good question. You know, we don't call on the Lord when we don't believe this prayer life just ends real quick when you don't believe. The enemy's like, you're not praying enough. He doesn't want you to go, you're not believing enough. We probably will. He'll throw that one out there too. I'll tell you what he doesn't say later in a minute. Um, and how shall they, how shall they believe in him who they've not heard? We can't believe without hearing him. It just doesn't work. And how shall they hear without a preacher? Good question. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Holy Ghost, would you send them all over the planet? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. God, would you release an army of people who preach the gospel of peace. Who bring glad tidings of good things. Would you flood the earth with people who preach the gospel of peace. Glad tidings of good things. The gospel, the gospel, the gospel. I used to think the gospel was simple and I knew it. And I'm like, I have no idea what the gospel is. I know it's, it's him. It's just him. It's the, the good story of him. <clears throat> Who he is, what he's done, what he's up to. You know you're hearing good preaching when it's easy to believe. That's, that's what I say. 
They used to say at Smith Wigglesworth, it was like crazy. He made it so easy to believe. They'd go into these meetings and they'd see the most amazing miracles and they're like, I could believe for that. And then they're like, I could never believe for that. So I was like hearing him preach. God wants to release an anointing on people where their preaching makes it so easy for us to believe. God is not trying to make it hard to believe. I promise you. Jesus, he asked a lot like, why didn't you? Not like, man, it's really hard. You need, it's so hard. You're going to need to work to get it to believe. The question is, why is it so hard for you? Because I'm not trying to make it hard. Jesus, would you reveal to us, you're not trying to make faith hard. You're trying to make it so easy for us. You want to release the preachers of the gospel who make it so easy to believe. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and by and hearing by the word of God. In this context, I just want to suggest a couple things as I land this plane. In this context, where he's saying faith comes, faith just, it just happens. It just, it's a byproduct of hearing. If I need faith, if you need faith, you kind of need to hear him. <laughs> it's called relationship. The new covenant is a relationship. He is not asking you to do anything without him and anything outside of relationship. He's not asking me. I do so much outside of talking to him. It's amazing. But I'm like, Lord, how would you solve this problem at work? And then like two minutes later, I'm like, oh, I think I just figured it out. I mean, he figured it out. In the context here, he's not saying faith comes by reading and reading and reading the word of God. He doesn't say, in this context, he doesn't say faith comes by listening in the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. Uh, faith doesn't come by soaking and soaking and soaking and waiting to hear those whispers. In this context, I want to, to suggest that he's saying faith comes by hearing a preacher. In Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 1, he talks about, you know, God has chosen the foolishness of preaching for us to experience salvation. He's not talking again, saved has been a word that's been completely robbed by religion. We've lost so many things to religion. I'm trying to get a bunch of stuff back that I gave over to religion. But saved is not going to heaven when you die. That's it. It is that, but more. Actually, we're seated in heavenly places right now. Salvation, he's saying the foolish, he has chosen through the foolishness of preaching that we experience continually salvation. Continually. I need to hear it every day. I need to hear the gospel every day. I used to think I was something. I'm like, I don't need preaching. <laughs> I can hear the Holy Ghost myself with the Bible. And I do, I do. 
He loves to speak to us. I would never say, don't read your scriptures with the, whole, with the Holy Ghost. I would never say, don't soak and just say, what do you want to say, Holy Spirit? What's a prophecy? Give me a word. I would I do that every day. But I find it like the Holy Ghost wants to, oh, I'm feeling him on this, I'm feeling through all this, but he wants to create a concoction of pure gospel in your soul. That is the preaching of the gospel. Is you reading in scripture? Is you sitting and hearing the Holy Spirit in your own voice that explodes with faith? You want to hear the whisper? Uh, in your soul, you know, hey, walk humble with me. And then randomly pop open a sermon and it's all about the humility of Jesus. This was me last week and I'm completely wrecked, weeping, going, oh, <laughs> you're so humble, Lord. I forgot because I'm not walking like that right now. There are some preachers I really enjoy. I'm just like, I burn sometimes when I hear them. And then like, I hear the same message like two months later. I'm like, why did I not stay in this thing? I have not walked in it. I think he wants us to stay in there more. I don't know what it is. I've got some anchors. You know, we talked about anchors. I've got some anchors. One of them is here in scripture. One of them is talking to my brothers about what I'm hearing. One of them is listening to the Holy Spirit every day. And one of them is this preaching. And it's just like creating this concoction in my soul of faith, just exploding. And it's, I, I like to get swept away. Just live full. That's what he has for us. Okay. I don't ever get to preach like this. To Christy, I do. She kind of get, it puts her to sleep, which is fine. I'm just like totally wrecked, and she's like, get anything out of it. Oh, that's fine. I did. Um, couple, couple things. One, I would like us to uh, just take a minute and ask the one area where we've been trying in our own strength, and we kind of know it. Just in this moment, just give it to him. Just hand it to him and say, Lord, the battle is yours. The battle is yours, Lord. I don't want to fight this thing without you. Lord, I don't care how many times I have to bring it back and put it on your plate or in your hands. I want to keep it in your hands. I want to contact you there in the transit, in the exchange of what I've been carrying and you taking it back. You want to take it. I thank you. The battle is yours. The next thing I want is us to ask the Holy Spirit, what are you putting your finger on that you would like me to hand over? I remember when I asked the Lord the question and he says, your relationship with me, you control it a little bit too much sometimes. Oops. 
I've never thought of that before. Holy Spirit, what do you want us? What are you putting your finger on? You're not trying to get us to total surrender today. It's a journey. We want to walk in step with you. We don't want to get ahead of you, don't want to get behind you. What does it look like, Holy Spirit, to just do the one thing you're asking, not any more, not any less? I think you've got it. you want to make it easy for us. All right, and then the last thing I was hearing, um, if you, uh, last thing for prayer, and then I got one more thought. If, if you are or did feel the presence of God um, during worship or, or, you know, sensing the Lord's presence when I was, was talking, I want you to stand up and I want us to pray for you. I believe the whole board is like touching you and he wants more. He wants to release more. If there was anybody. If you were, yeah, if you did, you were. Um, I just want to, I believe the Lord wants to release more. And um, if you got, if there are people standing or at least next to you, if you don't mind laying hands on the folks that are standing, um, People sitting next to, yeah, if you guys can pray, let's just pray for a release of more. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. All right, I probably kept y'all way past when we usually get on that. Keep track of time. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate your patience. Um, the last thing I was hearing in my heart, you know, there are some of us who've been waiting to hear from the Lord and it's like, I can't hear. I think he's, he's drawing you into the wilderness to speak sweetly to you. That's what he does. I pray that hope would trigger in your soul to go, oh, <laughs> he's about to just whisper something that unlocks me like I've never been unlocked before. It causes his goodies and his, the glad tidings of good things to explode out of my soul. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joseph. I've got lots of golden nuggets out of there. I'm going to be going back to you. Good stuff. Thank you for sharing.